Maui. Well, I feel like a celebrity. Thanks for asking. This is the first time I've, I've come from backstage onto uh, uh, the stage. Oh, gosh, I don't know where I'm going. I, I do have COVID. My mind is a little bit misty, and I'm hoping that doesn't result with a, a fog in the congregation. Um, but we're going to look at uh, um, John chapter 21, 1 to 14. And uh, can I just read that for you? Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not recognize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Well, um, welcome. It's great to see you. It's, it's great to be here. As uh, John mentioned, I've uh, got a touch of that thing called COVID that uh, goes around and uh, Still tested positive today, but I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So uh, at the conclusion of, of my, me speaking, I'm just going to slip out the back door and, and give you absolutely no opportunity to, to comment on today's message. You'll, you'll, you'll have to wait a week. You'll have to remember that long and think what issues you had and get back to me at that stage. Uh, now also, I'm, I'm aware that um, we were doing a 10-week series called a light in the darkness from the Gospel of John. And I don't know if you've been keeping count, but that actually ended last Sunday. So here I am, I'm, I'm going to preach this week and next week from John 21. And uh, it's kind of a carry-on from that series, and certainly a light in the darkness flows into much of the message today. But 21 is a little bit different. Chapter 21 is a little bit different to the end of John. Uh, sorry, the rest of John. 
Pastor John preached from, from chapter 20 last week, and chapter 20 ends this way. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, that's a great end to a gospel, isn't it? It, it, it tells you what the purpose of the gospel was. John had spent all this time gathering this information, presenting stuff to the readers so that they may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one of God sent down to save us from our wretchedness, to bring us back to God, and if we accept Jesus as our Lord, that we will have life. It's a wonderful ending to the story. And then we've got chapter 21 tacked onto the end. What's that about? Well, you know, there's, there's a few scholars that uh, thought about this and thought, well, it was obviously a later addition. You know, uh, if you take the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16 is the last chapter. You read up to verse 8, no problems. And then there's usually something in most Bibles that says that the following verses, 9 to 20, do not appear in the earliest manuscripts. Now that doesn't happen in John. Every manuscript of John from the earliest through to the, the most recent all have John chapter 21. If it was an add-on, it was probably added on by John within days of him finishing his gospel. So we are meant to have chapter 21. The best thing I can think of is that... Uh, I'm sure you folk, uh, when, you've, when you've read a book, you've come to the end of the book, and then you've got questions. I wonder what happened to such and such. Did they go on and blah, blah, blah? And a lot of writers have at the end of their book something that's called an epilogue. And now an epilogue, it ties up those loose ends. Sometimes the epilogue follows a sideline story that, that had to be left out from the main story, but, but the, the author wants you to know it. Or, or gives you a little bit more of a story that follows on. And I think that's what John 21 is. I think it's giving us a story that follows on. It's not crucial to the main story, but there is value in it for the readers. So let's just keep that in mind as, as we move into to this. Um, the other thing that... Uh, reading through this and preparing for it, I, I did... I've I got to be honest, I struggle with this with this chapter, trying to figure out what it does have to say to us. And, uh, and uh, I came up with a, a title for this message, A Time for Transition. Uh, I'm, not, I'm still not sure if it's the best, the best title, but it's, it's the one we're going with. And when you think of transition, we, we all go through transitions. Um, from child to adult, adulthood is, is a well-known one. From, from being a worker to retirement is another. A lot of these ones, we don't have any choice. We just move into them. Some of them we do choose. Some of them, some of them we have a, have a great choice. Sometimes we're forced into them. I quite often hear about people that, uh, you know, they, they become uh, less able to care for themselves and they're, they're forced into a retirement home. And, uh, and these transitions are very difficult. And sometimes we just want to 
run away from them. We don't want to move on. And I think that's what this story talks a, a little bit about today. But as I was trying to sort out the story, you, you might know sometimes I have my chiasms. I like to, to see the patterns in, in, in stories. Well, this is kind of what I started doing uh, with this story because it is a, 1 to 14 is a complete story. If we go on to the next slide, firstly, verse 1 starts with afterwards. So it is telling us it is after what has gone before. And it, it gives us a new characters, the new scene, and, and tells us what the action is. It's Jesus appearing to his disciples by the, the Sea of Galilee. And then it even goes on to say, it happens this way. So we're expecting to have a story. And, and then verse 14, it bookends the story, doesn't it? Because it says, this was now the third time Jesus appears to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. It's a lovely, well-defined, compact story. But what's in the middle? If we go to the next slide, this is what I reckon it's in the middle. Fish, 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 fish. You read through this story and eight times the word fish is used. Now, look, it could be a story that, you know, just tells us how Jesus came back to give his disciples one more fishing lesson and to, to cook them a, a delicious fishy breakfast uh, as we enjoyed last uh, Sunday down at Ballina. It could be that, but, uh, but somehow we suspect that there's, there's something more to it than that. And that's what I've been trying to, to dig out to present to you today. And what I've come up with is, is along the lines that uh, this is the third time that Jesus has shown himself to his disciples after his, uh, after his crucifixion. Prior to that, Jesus had been with his disciples for three and a half years, 24-7. That was their experience of Jesus, right next to him, sleeping next to him, traveling with him all the time, never apart. And now they're just getting these occasional visits from Jesus. He's not there 24-7. Life is changing for the disciples and, and they're really struggling to adjust. Now, maybe you can relate in your life. Maybe there's times when, when uh, you're being forced to, to change and it's just very difficult. Hopefully, this passage might speak to you a little bit this morning. Sorry, folks, it's something about a dry throat that we need a water every now and then. What I found helpful with uh, looking at this story is, or, or what came to mind was another fishing story that has a lot of similarities to this one. And, uh, and, and the best rendition of it for, for, for my purposes was in the Gospel of Luke. And, and it, I think it provides some background for us. Because Luke records a time when a young rabbi, who we know is Jesus, asked to use Simon Peter's boat as a stage uh, for him to, to preach to the crowd that was, was gathered on the, the shore of the lake. And after he had finished preaching, he said to, uh, to Jesus, to this rabbi, he didn't know him at the time, he said, 
uh, Jesus said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Now these fishermen, they're experienced fishermen, they knew that this catch wasn't natural. And they recognised that this young rabbi must be an agent of God. And Jesus says to them at this time, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And as I said, that had been the disciples' life for three and a half years, following Jesus. And they had their career set out for them. They were to learn how to fish for people. And they followed Jesus right up to his death they they knew firsthand that jesus had been resurrected they knew that he had burst back to life he had appeared to them they knew all that yet as we're saying things are now different and their future is uncertain he jesus just wasn't with them all the time how are they meant to follow him now I think we're meant to see uh, the disciples here as, as disillusioned and, and, uh, and even aimless. Uh, just not having Jesus' presence with them confuse them. And, and I see this in, in verses 2 to 3. Firstly, John tells us that only seven of the 11 disciples are here by the Lake of the Galilee. There's four missing. It, it seems that even now this, this group is losing its cohesion and Simon Peter seems to be a a a different person Simon Peter he'd he'd been so boisterous he was a he was a natural leader but uh, back in in Matthew uh, Jesus has said I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it Peter had been singled out to be a leader of the church and yet look at him now He seems to be a shattered man. And I think that experience of having denied Jesus those three times is what had shattered him. His confidence is gone. He 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 sees that he'd let Jesus down, but now he's letting down the the disciples. See, the the disciples they 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 need a leader and they and they're looking to Peter, but Peter no longer feels competent for the job. He's just so full of doubts and, and he doesn't want to do. So he just decides he's going to return to what he, what he used to do, fishing. And when you read what Peter says there, I'm going out to fish, they're not the words of a leader. A leader would say, come on, lads, let's go fishing. Peter just wants to get away. I'm going out to fish. Leave me alone. But these disciples, as I said, they're, they're, they're leaderless they don't know what to do and so they just respond we'll go too this is why i think the uh the the message uh, or the the title of our sermon series a light into darkness is is appropriate because i think the disciples are in a dark place at this time the picture john is painting is of the disciples returning to their old ways uh before they 
ever to Jesus. Fishing for people seems impossible for them, uh, but they're pretty confident that they can still fish for fish. So let's read on. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Now, I've got to apologize. I somehow, in my, I can blame COVID, can't I? In my preparation, I've left out verse 4 from the, uh, from the overhead. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. That's been omitted, and it's a terrible oversight because it's really crucial to understand this movement from darkness to light. So uh, it is there, it should be there, and, uh, and I'll be treating it as if it is there, so forgive me for that. But this passage, it, it, uh, it, it came to life with me because only last Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, I joined a few others from the church down at uh, Ballina, down on the river there, for a uh, morning service and, uh, and a breakfast of uh, fish and bread. And, uh, and I've got to be honest, I don't see the sunrise very often. Uh, and uh, I, I'd forgotten how there's that gradual of move, movement from, from darkness to light. At, at first, you get up and it's dark and, and you, have, you have trouble even making out shapes. But then, as the light increases, you start to see shades. It's, you know, you're not getting colours, but there's, but there's shades. And then finally, you're in full light and uh, you realise the clothes you put on in the dark don't match. Not talking about me, that was someone else there. Um, but, uh, but it, you know, it, it's, it's really quite interesting how this is going to play into to this story. Because we've got to remember that, that that theme of Jesus being the light is, is really important in John's Gospel. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the time of this incident, the sunrise matches Jesus' actions. He's bringing light into darkness. And I want to start with the, the question that uh, he asked the, uh, the disciples. Uh, he's not saying, have you caught any fish? He's saying, he's making a statement really, you don't have any fish, do you? Now, I want to say, if I'm fishing and someone comes and says that, it's not a great conversation starter. Uh, but there's no malice in, in Jesus' words. He starts out by calling them friends. In some versions, it even says children's. Reading up on the, on the Greek and what it means, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, if you're in England, you'd be saying lads, um, American, oh, guys, what are we doing? You know, I don't know what it is in Australia, but uh, probably a combination of those things. But, but it's, it's, it's very, a very friendly, warm term. And his question is a light that exposes the sorry state of the disciples. Um, without him, they, they just don't seem to be getting anywhere. So 
he gives them some direction. Throw away your net on the right, sorry, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. He just pointed out, look on the right side of the boat. And that idea of that increasing light that Jesus has provided and that is naturally happening, happening is they look on the right side of the boat and there's fish there. They chuck out their net and they catch them. They'd always been there. They just weren't able to see them because of the darkness. For me, this, uh, this message has been, uh, has been st- talking to me heaps because um, uh, part of my nature is to procrastinate. I know what I should be doing, uh, but I have trouble getting started. And, uh, and if you're like me I'm, I'm <laughs> having someone telling you exactly what to do is really helpful uh, <laughs> and Jesus is the light that, that we need that they needed to get that work started the big catch uh, gets John thinking wow this is this is almost like a miracle and then for him, the, the light really comes on, doesn't it? He turns to Peter and says, it's the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. Now, this is a genuine question because I've got no idea why Peter would put on clothes to jump into the water. It <laughs> I, I usually think you take off clothes to jump in the water. I've got no idea. You can tell me next week. But what a change in Peter's attitude. What a change. He's motivated to get back to Jesus as quickly as possible. And he seems to have a renewed enthusiasm for service, as is demonstrated later in verse 10, when he single-handedly goes to the boat grabs a net full of fish and brings them ashore and next week we're going to dig into this this uh beautiful relationship between jesus and peter but uh for now we're just gonna gonna leave it there because i do want to go back to another thread that i noticed in this passage and so i just want to go back to verses four and five for a moment and four and five we've, we've already read early in the morning jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Now, there's two differences that I noticed between this fishing story and the one we read earlier from Luke chapter 5. And, and I think, uh, I think they're, they're pretty interesting, pretty important. The first is, in this story, Jesus isn't in the boat. He's on the shore. In Luke, he was in the boat. Second, back in Luke chapter 5, Peter calls Jesus master. Here, Jesus calls the disciples friends. There's been a change in their relationship over that three and a half years. And I think John 15 explains why for us. In verses 15 to 16, we read, 
I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. This is my commandment, love each other. Now this conversation only uh, took place probably two or three weeks before Jesus' crucifixion. And, and in that conversation, Jesus has elevated the disciples' status from servants to friends. They no longer work for Jesus, but they work with Jesus. They're in on the plan. They're no longer in the dark. What an honour it must have been for them to, to be called friends. No longer servants, but, but part of the family, part of the inner circle. They have tr- transitioned from come follow, which is what uh, Jesus had invited them to do back in Luke 5 at the, when he first met them, to now go bear fruit from this second story. And we see the six caring for each other and bearing fruit as they work together to bring the catch to shore uh, there in verse 8. It also reminds me that uh, even when Jesus is with you and blessing your endeavours, that ministry is hard. It's a toil. It's, it's, it's not automatically easy because Jesus is with you. It still requires hard work. And do you know what? I think the Bible tells us that work is a blessing. It was created for man. It makes us richer and better. And, and I, if, if you don't look at it that way, then you need to twist that a little bit. But this brings us to verse 9, and, and, and verse 9 for me is the apex of the story. After their disillusionment, their floundering in the dark, then having that experience of, of Jesus' intervention that opened their eyes, and they, then they've got the toil of pulling in the catch and, and getting to the shore, there is Jesus. And there is Jesus, not with words of chastisement, there's no, now this would have been a lot easier if you had just done what I said in the first place, is there? There's nothing like that. Instead, he's prepared a meal for the, for the hungry and weary. Jesus has prepared for their needs. Their minds would have flashed back, I think, uh, when they saw that meal to uh, the providence that Jesus had made for for the multitude where he, where he took those staples of, of a few fish and, a, and some loaves and, and made it an abundance. The disciples know that Jesus doesn't need their contribution. Jesus needs nothing from them. Rather, Jesus wants and values their contribution to this simple feast when he asks them, bring some of the fish you have called. It's a hard thing to grasp, isn't it, for us, that... Uh, Jesus takes joy in, in, our, in our small achievements, in our, in our small contributions. Uh, and he is committed to using people like us, weak people with deep flaws. 
it's <laughs> it's it's quite overwhelming when you when you think about it there's still no words of chastisement in this passage i couldn't find any rather he invites the disciples to come and have breakfast i had suggested at the start that the uh, disciples were struggling with uncertainty uh, that they'd begun to to turn back to their old ways uh, yet here is jesus overlooking all that and being their servant providing for them personally he gives them their bread he gives them fish I wonder if Deuteronomy 31.6 uh, came to their minds because uh, it's what I imagine Jesus is communicating. I don't expect you to know Deuteronomy 31.6. Uh, it, it reads, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsaken you. I think that's what Jesus is communicating with them. I'm, I'm always with you. I'll never abandon you. You can rely on me. Brings us back to verse 14 again. This third visit wasn't necessary to the gospel story, but it was necessary for the disciples. It helped them to understand that they need to transition from from friend, sorry, sorry, from servant to friend. Uh, from followers to to goers to doers um, it helped them to understand that uh, Jesus won't be physically present with them all the time but neither will he be absent he's always present he always cares so they can get on with the task that he has given them and uh, and Jesus makes the same call on our lives doesn't he we are called to go and bear fruit we can be like the disciples and say oh this is too hard without Jesus here beside me and go the other way or do what I do and just procrastinate day after day or they can put their trust in Jesus that's the other choice isn't it trust Jesus for what he's what he said the directions he's given trusting that he's going to be with you trust that he he's caring for you again i'm 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 amazed that uh jesus doesn't chastise them at all but it makes sense too it, he's, he's well aware of our weaknesses that's why he died for us because we just we're just not going to get anywhere we're not going to overcome our weakness our frailties uh ourselves and he doesn't expect us to he died for us so that he has overcome those weaknesses and he is our strength i can't encourage you enough to to accept his invitation to to come and to come and dine with him to look to jesus and uh and to invite him to be in your lives to be with you all the time through his spirit uh to become one with him and and to become one who goes and bears fruit let's pray heavenly father we we thank you we thank you so much that you that you care for us that you uh, overlook our weaknesses you know you don't overlook our weaknesses you deal with our weaknesses lord in our weaknesses you show your strength lord 
so Father, we just ask that you will use our weaknesses, our, our uncertainties, everything else, Lord, for your glory, for your kingdom. Uh, be with us, Lord. Help us to, to, to look to you. Help us to stop procrastinating, Father, uh, and show us the way we should go. Enlighten your word to us, Lord, and fill us with your spirit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.